Hey, good morning, everybody. Hey, so yeah, it is my birthday, and um, I, I know somebody's upset because I parked in the Silver Saint thing, and um, I was kind of in a hurry, and it was raining, and, and uh, Brother Francis, I'm sorry if I got your spot, bro. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> but uh, anyway. Hey, uh, so man, yeah, excited. Super Bowl. Uh, but the big thing is, I don't know if you guys know this or not, and, and this has been part of, you know, growing up... Uh, I've always been really pumped to have my birthday always on Groundhog's Day. So uh, that's always a big deal. And I don't know if you heard this or not, but the groundhog did see his shadow this morning. Really bummer. Uh, but he's being served at Tikkun's today for lunch. Vacations um, <laughs> know how to do that groundhog thing, baby. <laughs> little blackened groundhog, some you know brown rice. It'd be a great day. But um, so what about the winter, right? Man, is that crazy or what? I thought we voted for global warming last year. What is wrong with these people? But anyway, hey, uh, so actually, yeah, let me go ahead and get started. Uh, <laughs> forget where I am. Hey, this is my family. I always try to put them up there, so my wife keeps an eye on me at all times. Um, but this is my wife, my, my three uh, uh, beautiful children, the Lord's blessed us with. I'll, I'll just tell you this. Last year, uh, my two girls graduated from UL, okay? So... Couple of, couple of different things about that. One, Victoria graduated in the spring. Uh, Ani graduated in December. So the cool thing was they were able to wear each other's robe. You know, they only had to get one of those. You know, you gotta, you gotta cut a budget everywhere you can, you know? And they both had the 13, so that was all really cool. And, uh, for Ani, when Ani graduated in December, um, I, I just kind of mentioned in passing, uh, I was at a graduation once and I saw Governor Blanco give her son a diploma. And I thought that was kind of cool. And so I just mentioned to somebody, hey, do uh, you think I could give my daughter her diploma? And they go, well, you know, it's usually blah, blah, blah. And then before you know it, next thing you know, I get I get an email that uh, the dean of uh, her college was going to allow me to give my daughter her diploma. Isn't that cool? So I've never been elected to office, and uh, I, I praise the Lord for that opportunity to, to be able to do that. So that was really kind of cool. And then my son, Benjamin... Uh, and I'll just tell you guys this. Benji, uh, son of my right hand, that's the name that, you know, the purpose, all this kind of stuff. Benji's just a joy. Uh, and when Benji was young, Benji was uh, always an entrepreneur. So whenever I would speak in church, if I cracked any kind of joke about Benji, I had to give him 10 bucks. And, and so, so I would always have to think through what I was saying. And I said, Benji, this is good until you're 18. He's 20 now. So let me just tell you this. Benji's in college. The girls have graduated. I'm just praying Benji graduates before Jesus comes back. Okay. So <laughs> see, I didn't even have to pay 10 bucks for that. But anyway, uh, <laughs> so, uh, as far as Chi Alpha is concerned, anybody here not ever, ever heard of Chi Alpha? It's okay to raise your hand. All right, good. Thank you. I appreciate that. Good, good, good more. Let me just say this. Basically, what we are and what I do is we are on the university campus looking to reach university students for the cause of Christ. Here's the deal. We, we really believe that, honestly, the gospel is the only hope for this world. The gospel is the only hope for mankind, period. And, and the reality is uh, today's generation is probably more biblically illiterate than any other time in history, and it's only going to continue to get worse. The challenges and uh, and the temptations and all the lures to pull people away, it's all fulfilling uh, what we see in, in, in the Scripture. We believe it's vital that as, as believers that we not sit back as far as a church and wait for people to come to us. So guess what? I'm an extension of family life 
on the UL campus. Your regular support, which we thank you for, is what keeps us on the campus reaching students for Jesus. So we're, we're trying to be as convenient <laughs> and, and be there. We want every student that comes across that campus to have had the opportunity to accept Christ. Uh, and so that's the goal. That, that's the vision. That's what we're wanting to accomplish. Can I just tell you this? Uh, this past school year, uh, or actually this past fall, uh, a young lady, um, you know, we, we get so many different students that come through. This one young lady comes, she gets involved, uh, some girls help her move in the dormitory, come to find out she's from California, she's from San Jose, California, and, and she just kind of randomly picked UL, go figure on that, right? And uh, so, boom, all of a sudden she starts coming, I, I, I meet her, come to find out she played high school football. Okay, but but she does she's she's not a brute or anything. But I mean, she's just a girl that wanted to play football, and she was a kicker and all this kind of stuff. Or no, she was a receiver actually. So she played high school football, which is kind of unique. So that kind of put on the radar. Well, she started coming to our free lunch every Wednesday. We do this free lunch, which, by the way, you guys help provide, which, by the way, you always do a great job. Which, by the way, I always want to encourage more to come out and help serve and cook and kick up an open flame and, you know, bring your own groundhogs. It'll be great, you know? So, uh, but, but this free lunch, so she's coming to the free lunch on a regular basis and, uh, we play games and we give away stuff. So in the fall, we were getting ready to do our fall breakaway. It's our retreat, uh, up in Woodworth. And, and so, uh, we try to get as many students to come. And so for the lunch, I, I was playing a game. I brought up these students and happened to bring up this young lady. Her name is Cheyenne, uh, from San Jose. And so she plays the game. She wins. The grand prize was you get a free uh, scholarship to go to our fall breakaway uh, in Woodworth. And so hey, everybody claps, all this kind of stuff. Afterwards, she comes up to me. And she goes, you know, I feel really bad taking this uh, because I'm an atheist. Uh, I think you should give this to a Christian. And it's like, you know, I'm thinking quick on the feet. It's like, nope, sorry, it's, you can't transfer it. it. You want it fair and square. Sorry, I mean, you have to go or else it's going to go to waste. Okay. So she came to the breakaway. <laughs> and do I need to tell you the rest? Yes, I do. So she comes to the breakaway, and it just so happens the speaker, it was a former student, his name is Glenn Davis, and he's uh, now campus pastor at Stanford University, which is not far from where she uh, grew up. Uh, and Glenn just did a phenomenal job. He gave an invitation for salvation on Saturday, and Cheyenne gave her heart and gave her life to Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but $49, that's a good investment. You know what I'm saying? I'll give that every day, right? Now, let me just tell you this. <laughs> a few weeks later, three or four weeks, five weeks later, uh, Mr. Eric, can I, can I talk to you for a second? You know, I, I was an atheist all my life, and, and you know, I, I never really believed. But ever since I gave my life to Jesus, I'm telling you, every day, God shows me how much he loves me. Now about you. <laughs> That's what keeps me doing what I'm doing. You understand what I'm saying? You know, people are like, man, how do you have the energy to do that? Dude, every time you see a life change, every time you see someone come to faith, dude, it's addictive. Okay. I mean, it is addictive. And, and so boom, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm hooked and, and I want to see as many of these kids come in. Uh, as Pastor Todd mentioned, uh, just last night, Charles Tillman, dude, if you happen to see, it was on, on Fox, I believe, but he won the NFL uh, Player of the Year uh, for philanthropy. 
Now, understand what that means. That means that the NFL is full of millionaire people who play a game, right? Uh, but out of all of those guys, they pick this one kid who has been faithful and is using his money uh, for good causes. Uh, and so they honored him. And, and so that's just a thrill. Uh, Charles gave his life to Christ here, was water baptized, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and so, you know, the impact that we're having here. Somebody said, hey, you're, you're, you're not wearing, you know, an NFL team. Cajuns aren't in the Super Bowl. Actually, the receivers coach uh, for Denver was a coach here at UL. So I'm, I'm just telling you, they're all over the place. I'll tell you one more. Uh, uh, the new head coach at Grambling State University uh, which I love Grambling, and uh, the new head coach there was a GA or graduate assistant here at UL uh, back uh, in the early uh, early 2000s, and uh, I stopped in to see him. He just got the job, and man, I walk in his office. He goes, "Man, I haven't seen you since you baptized me." <laughs> you know, so I just praise God that we've got people all over the place making an impact for the cause of Christ. Amen. So. So, so birthday, milestones, all these kind of crazy things. I don't want to talk too much about that, but I will tell you about this one. Uh, my wife and I are uh, just last year completed uh, being on campus, uh, been on campus now here at UL 27 years. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> uh, but uh, total, and I was four years prior to that at Nichols State University in Thibodeau. And oh, by the way, most important day for me is yesterday, February 1st. That's the day I gave my life to Christ, 1982. Uh, and so uh, I praise the Lord for that. That's, that's, that's a whole lot more important. But in the process of things, so completed, uh, 30 years of, of ministry. And so we were honored, uh, last year for that. Uh, and, and, uh, locally we were honored, uh, and blessed. Uh, uh, my wife and I were given a gift that we could go anywhere in the world for two weeks that we wanted to go. And so that's pretty cool, right? And so everybody kept suggesting Hawaii, and it's like, dude, that's just a little island with sand. I can go to Destin for that. But um, <laughs> and I'm sure Hawaii is pretty and all that kind of stuff. I, I'm sure, right? But my wife and I, neither one of us had 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 the desire to do that. Uh, my wife, uh, being Panamanian, but she's Panamanian via. Uh, she has a great grandfather who's from mainland China. Uh, she's got a grandmother that was Peruvian Inca Indian. Uh, and then she's got uh, a grandfather who was, uh, from Spain. Uh, and he was a Spaniard bullfighter. Okay. Really kind of cool, right? And so, uh, we decided we were going to go to Spain, uh, for two weeks and we went in May. Uh, uh, and spent two weeks and kind of traced different places, went to Madrid, Seville. He actually lived in Seville, and then we actually went to the hometown where he was born and stuff. And and if you know anything about uh, Spain, uh, there is a couple of major cultural things uh, that take place there. And, and so one of them, of course, is the bullfight. So, dude, I was determined. I am going to a bullfight. If I can get in the ring, I, I'll run with those puppies. I mean, I, I, I just, you know, I'm fascinated by these bulls. It just seems like fun, okay? <laughs> and, you know, people are weird, and I'm just one of those, okay? But, um, but I, you know, I, I, it just didn't work out schedule-wise because they, they do have, you know, where they teach you how to do the thing, uh, you know, with the cloth and, and, and let the bull come after you and all that kind of stuff. I just thought that would be kind of cool. But, um, but instead, we actually just got the opportunity to go to an actual bullfight. Now, the beauty of it was we go to this bullfight, and, dude, it's a beautiful arena. It's like 35,000 people in this thing, and, and it's mostly Spaniards, okay, which... 
You know, because a lot of times people say, oh, it's just, it's just tourists. No, 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 no. These, these are, these are actual Spaniards who are there, uh, mostly older couples. They come in and, and dude, it's, it's, it's big time event. And they all know everything that's going on, the intricacies of, of the actual bullfight. Anybody ever, ever go to a bullfight? You ever go to a bullfight? Okay. All right. So if you've gone to a bullfight, uh, you know what I'm talking about. Most people in America have never gone to a bullfight. And so typically people have this idea that the bullfight is all a cute thing, kind of like the cartoons and the, they, they, they do all this, they do all this. And at the end, the bull and the, and the matador become friends. That is not quite what happens. It's not quite what happens. If you really understand what happens, it really is a lot of culture. It's a, it's a, it's a big machismo kind of an event where ultimately the bullfighter will get up on this thing and as close as he possibly can. Uh, and little by little, the bull is dying. Okay. Through the whole process. And, and he's mentally trying to beat down the bull. Okay. And, and so at, at, at that point where he feels like he has kind of won is where he kind of pops up, turns his head and turns his back on the bull. He knows that's when he's beat the bull and then he takes a big sword. And, um, if he, if he hits the bull right, the bull just crumples, which means, let me just go ahead and tell you what, what happens. The bull dies. Okay. The bull dies. Now, now here's the positive. They do then serve the bull in restaurants all around the arena, okay? And, and if you've ever had bull, it's really good. But uh, talking about a guy who eats groundhogs, but um, <laughs> but but the bull, the bull always loses. Now there is this one time, and we were privileged to see it, where if a bull comes out and the crowd doesn't believe that the bull is strong enough or is a good bull, then they start yelling at the president of the arena to throw out the green flag, to take that bull out. And so sure enough, uh, it, we just happened to be there. There was a bull. People started going nuts. And then all of a sudden, boom, he throws the flag out. And then everybody in the arena clears out. And that bull's just standing there by himself, just chilling, looking around like, hey, hey, where's everybody at? Then they open a gate, and then they allow seven domesticated bulls, kind of calico bulls, to come out. And then they all start talking. At first, the bull wants to fight them, you know, and, and they're like, brah, chill. We're lovers. We're not fighters. Hey, look at us. We're all friends. You could be friends with us. And so then he calms down and then they actually make a circle around him. They start talking, exchanging Facebook addresses and all this kind of stuff. And, and then they go, Hey, you want to take a walk with us? And he's like, all right, I'll go with you guys. And then the fighting bull gets in line. And goes out of the arena. And then everybody claps. And then they close the thing. And I go, oh. And I'm sitting next to a Spaniard. He's explaining to me the whole scenario. And I go, oh, so does, does he win? Does he live? And he goes, oh, no. They shoot him in the head at this point. <laughs> which, which brings me to this. Bulls always lose, okay? The bulls always lose. Now, here's, here's the thing. Eric, why are you talking about this here this morning in church? I'm talking about this because I, I call this a reality check. I call this uh, reality therapy because uh, the reality is, you know, it, it is something, if you, if you really see it and if you really, you know, 
you know, understand it fully. They're torturing a bull, okay? Uh, it is so ingrained in their culture and so ingrained in, in the process. And, and there's parts of it, quite honestly, that are quite beautiful. But, it, but if you take yourself out of that, I mean, it's, they're, they're just flat out torturing a bull. And they're going to eat it. I mean, you know, uh, your chicken today for lunch, you know, come on, let's just... But anyway, I don't want to go too far into it. But you don't want to think about it, I know. But, um, but the reality is these bulls always, always lose. Now, talking about reality, see, I think a place to talk about reality is church. And, and you know, there's so much that we need to understand when it comes to reality, and especially in the time and, and, and day in which we live in. I really believe uh, people who claim to be followers of Christ are being lulled uh, to sleep. And, and I really do think we're, we're missing a few things. Now, here's the thing. Like the bullfight, I really do believe that the Christian faith is a fight. Uh, I, 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 you know, when, when we look and oftentimes we have this idea that Christianity is all about love and mercy and grace, which it is. That's the entry point. But ultimately, we have to understand that there is a battle that goes on within the realm of the Christian faith. We'll see the Apostle Paul here in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7. Talking to Timothy, he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. See, the thing is, when I talk about grace, mercy, and all that, man, it is solely by the grace and the mercy of God that I stand before you today. There is no reason that, that I should, should be here whatsoever. I understand that. But you know what? How we start the faith is one thing. But the more important thing is what? How we finish See, because that, that's really what Christianity is all about. It's not about the beginning point. The beginning point, quite honestly, you had very little to do with other than responding. There was an incredible price that was paid for you, a price that, you know, none of us would ever want or consider to pay for somebody was paid for us. And then now it's a matter of me choosing to fight that through and walk that through. Well, what do you mean? It's a fight. What do you, well, he's saying, I fought the good fight. I've kept the faith. What's, what's the biggest fight that you and I have when we start talking about the Christian faith? Do you want to know the biggest fight that you and I have? The biggest fight that you and I have is the fact that we live with ourselves. See, can I just tell you this? I really do believe that prior to coming to faith, we were all puppets. We were all puppets. Our, our puppet master was Satan himself. You know, it's all the strings and we're, we're doing this. Oh, what a great night. I can't remember anything. Wow. That was so cool. Mardi Gras. You know, and we're all, we're all just, you know, a bunch of puppets. But when Jesus died on that cross and when we responded to that, guess what? All the strings were cut. See, now I'm free. I'm free, but it's in freedom that now I have battles. I have challenges. See, before the strings were just being pulled. There was no fight. I wasn't fighting. I was just doing everything everybody else is doing. But when the strings come off, now all of a sudden, I understand the difference between right and wrong. I understand the challenges between living holy and living ungodly. And the thing is, I don't ever, I don't believe, I don't believe the enemy can come back at night and tie some strings on you. <laughs> but I do believe sometimes we allow him to, you know, 
oh, we're doing really good. And all of a sudden, man, your head starts turning a certain way. And it's like, where, what's that about? Right? Your eyes are going to a certain place. What is that about? You know, your feet are putting you in places. Because those strings, man, they just, boy, you got to keep fighting to keep those strings off. The thing is, the struggle's real. The struggle is real. It is a battle to live this thing out. We have a battle within, and that's our biggest battle. And then we got a battle without. The enemy is doing what? He's come to kill, steal, and to destroy. The enemy is not sitting back applauding the fact that you gave your life to Christ. The enemy is not sitting back going, oh, wow, look, uh, they're in church today. It's even raining, and these people in church, they're serious. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> no, he's not impressed. As a matter of fact, he's going to try to get you bent out of shape, getting in the car, getting a little wet. They should have made a bigger overhang at this church. I can't believe. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Where are the umbrellas? Where are the silver saints? Whatever. I mean... <laughs> You understand what I'm saying? You'll find something to whine about. And the enemy's just sitting there. Here's some more words. Here's some more stuff. That's the biggest string right there. Man, it's incredible how it's like spider webs. You know, they pop up, you know, hate those things, you know, but we allow the enemy. The struggle is real. Now, here's the thing, Eric, why, why are you saying this? I'm saying this because see, a lot of times people get duped. They get duped by religion, thinking that, oh, you know what? You pray a prayer. You come to church. Everything's going to go your way. You'll never have another problem. Your bank account will be overflowing. Your wife will call, wake up and call you blessed. Your breath will be like potpourri. I mean, come on. The reality is what? No, we are real. We have struggles. We have thoughts. Now, man, man, our thought life, our minds, I mean, all these different things, the battle that we have. The Christian faith is not for wimps. The Christian faith is about men and women who make a choice and a decision to follow one who paid an incredible price. And because of that incredible price, then that grace all of a sudden then causes me and calls me and begs me to go to a deeper place of holiness. See, I would love, uh, you know, for just a little bit in the Christian faith for us to be able to get back at our enemies. Wouldn't that be cool? Just, you know, beat down your enemies and then ask for forgiveness. Here's a new rule I give you, you know? I mean, come on. But, but it's totally different. What? Love those? Pray for those who persecute you. What? That's a battle. That is a battle. The struggle is real. And the quicker we come to understand that, the better off we're going to be in living this thing out. Why? Well, because when challenges come, when the setbacks come, am I going to be sitting there going, God, why? You know, hey, it's okay to ask why. But man, he gets so bent out of shape and say, oh, this Christian doesn't work. No, it's, it's not a how-to formula. It's not a how to improve your life thing. As a matter of fact, man, when you study out Christianity, you find people's lives get really messed up. As a matter of fact, people don't live long. Do you know there are parts of the world that more people are being martyred for the cause of Christ today than any other time in history? And yet we think 
I should be 98 years old in a rocking chair singing Amazing Grace. Why? (laughs) We get this entitlement mindset that he is entitled to do something for me. Man, Eric, you're really bumming me out. I understand I am. (laughs) But you see, here's the deal. When you understand it's a battle, when you understand that it's a fight, man, you'll find yourself rejoicing in those blessings as never before. To him who's been forgiven much will love much. See, whenever we think it's all should come our way, man, you're going to find yourself living a very miserable life. Because let me tell you, every day is not going to be your day. But man, when the sun's out, you got to learn how to enjoy it, right? Dude, ice storms in Lafayette, I didn't sign up for that. You are messing with my crawfish. I mean, don't be doing that, right? <laughs> but boy, the day the sun came out, whoo, shah. I, you know, I just, I just want to be outside. Why? <laughs> Glory. Little preacher in the house. <laughs> Struggles real. I have that effect on kids. First Peter 1, 6. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to ha- have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. You know something? There's something powerful about hearing a saint talk about the challenges that they've had in life. There's something powerful when a person that's gone through incredible tragedy is able to lift up their head and praise the Lord. There's something very powerful about that. See, we limit praise and worship to what goes on on a stage. But you know, some of the greatest praise and some of the greatest worship is when a believer who's had literally all hell break loose against them, still rises up and blesses his name. Amen? No matter what transpires, no matter what comes, I'll just tell you this, you know, I, I, I feel privileged and blessed to have lived the life that I've lived. If it were to end today, I would lift my hands and praise his holy name. Because I feel like I'm so far ahead. I mean, I've, I've been so blessed. And it, is it monetary? No, no, it's not that. It's greater than that. There's so much more than monetary stuff. There's so much more than what this world appeals and, and chases. And you know something? Man, at some point, we've got to get to a point of just being able to understand the Lord's been good. The Lord has been good all the time no matter what I've, I've experienced. Why? Well, because, man, the challenges, all they do is prove the fact of, of the faith that I have. Do you know when planes take off, they have to take off against the wind? You know, to me, what is that? Well, that doesn't sound great, but, but it's that friction that actually causes them to fly. You know something, believers, you're going to grow in your faith? <laughs> I don't want to encourage you to do this, but, but the reality is you live any length of time, you're going to have challenges. You're going to have setbacks. You're going to have heartache. You're going to have things. We're not designed to live forever on this earth. 
Although some people think they are and they keep putting as many toys together as they can. <laughs> yeah, don't be so invested here, man. You know, I just read this guy. He wanted to be buried on his Harley. Did y'all see that? I mean, <laughs> it's the weirdest thing seeing an embalmed body on top of a Harley being dropped in the ground. It's like, I think his friends are just waiting until everybody clears out. <laughs> he ain't using that where he's at. <laughs> Put a good Harley in the ground. What's wrong with you? <laughs> the challenge has come so that it may be proved genuine. Maybe proved genuine. See, that's really only way we're going to know uh, what our faith is really like. It's in the challenges. It's in the things that come against us. It's in those things that come against us that we can fly the highest uh, because those challenges serve nothing more than to help propel and grow our faith. See, if you don't want to grow in your faith, man, just, I mean, give it up now. I, well, I'll tell this, never mind. I'm not going to go there. It's really kind of morbid, but um, I'm already kind of bumming you guys out. So it's going to be proved genuine. All right, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Uh, Matthew chapter 7 and verse 13 says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. There are scriptures like this that, quite honestly, are, are very challenging when we start talking about faith. You know what? The Christian faith is not for everybody. Now, now, let me rephrase that. He died on a cross for the forgiveness of the world that none would perish. Dude, the doors are wide open. The unfortunate thing is, you know, people will find these other roads that a lot of people are going down. And I don't know if you've ever watched people. There are sometimes in crowd situations, people will just start following people. They don't know where they're going, but they assume they're all going the right place. You ever been there? I've done that before. I mean, I'm trying to get to an event and I see lots of cars turning right on this road. And it's like, dude, I'm, I, I, GP, I don't know. I'll follow them which is the dumbest thing you could ever do, right? Oh, my goodness. But anyway, but it happens all the time. It happens all the time. Uh, same mindset, and this is actually uh, a greater challenge to believers. Matthew seven twenty one says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. Eric, why does that challenge you? That's a good question. It challenges me because especially in today's culture, if we have to stand and give an account of what we've done, for the cause of Christ. You know what? I don't really think there's going to be a lot of people going, I, I, I've been casting out demons. I've been performing miracles. I've been doing this. I've been prophesying. And for the Lord to say, depart from me, for I never knew you. Dude, that's quite challenging. See, most of us would say, didn't I go to church at least once a month? Did I not? Put something in. I mean, there was that missions. I, I put it. I, I put, didn't I do that? I mean, what we've got to offer oftentimes is really in the scope of things quite minimal. Can I just tell you something? The reality check lands here. The reality check of where are we spiritually? Where are we when it comes to 
being in that relationship with him, what is the natural outflow of that? Let me go back to those strings for just a second. You know something? On the strings, you didn't have to worry about anything. All of a sudden, those strings get cut. Now you have to think. and Now you have to choose. And the choices that you make oftentimes are the choices to go against your natural flesh and your natural desires. You know, one of the major things that Jesus did when he walked the face of the earth, one of the most powerful teachings he ever gave was that teaching of getting down on his knees and pulling out that towel and washing the feet of his disciples. And he said, hey, I've now given you an example that you in turn should go and wash the feet of others. Now, is it physically washing feet? No, it's not physically washing feet. It is doing what needs to be done in whatever setting you find yourself in. In other words, believers are called to do what? To be servants. Can I just say this? I really do believe that from a church perspective and a church like Family Life, there are wonderful people here and there's wonderful opportunities to serve. I would just say this. I really do believe that that really there should be very little time given to making opportunities available. What does that mean? That means that people should be looking for the opportunities. So in other words, we don't really have to be announcing the fact that there are children that need to be taken care of. There are you know things that need to be vacuumed. There are cans and this and that and all these things. It takes people serving. As a matter of fact, there's a whole community that needs to be served. Uh, my wife and I, were. Uh, there was a thing at Kai Alpha last night, um, it, the Chinese Association, uh, it's, uh, Chinese New Year. And, uh, uh, the, you know, Chinese students everywhere in our building and uh, people from the community and all this kind of stuff. And uh, <laughs> there was no one assigned to emptying garbage cans. And I, this is what I call the theology of the garbage can. Okay, so it's a party going on. There's people everywhere. There's disposable stuff and people are putting stuff in the garbage can, putting stuff in the garbage can. And man, out the corner of my eye, I see the can. All of a sudden now it's, it's rising. It's now reached capacity. What do people do? You know, position it on top to where it doesn't fall before they leave. They could care less if it falls after they leave, okay? But, but you know what I'm talking about? It's that, it's that whole thing of, oh, oh, let me just see. And, and everybody knows what? It's got, it's full and it has to be what? It has to be emptied. It has to be empty, right? You know what? Among believers, we're, we're so concerned about fellowshipping and enjoying ourselves and blessing of the Lord. Hallelujah. And we're so slow to have the mindset that maybe I'm not here to be blessed, but maybe I'm here to be a blessing. When's the last time you got invited to a party and instead of plopping yourself in the best seat in the house, you just happened to find yourself in the kitchen? Or carrying bags out to the dumpster. You see what I'm saying? Now, Eric, are you trying to put a guilt trip? No, 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 no. What I'm trying to say is, you know what? I think there needs to be an awakening within our hearts and within our lives. That, you know what? When, when we stand before him, he's not going to say, well done, my good and faithful worshiper. You came to all the worship nights. Bless your name. You know, we like worship. We like worship. Why? Because the presence of the Lord is there and we get to lift our hands and all this kind of stuff. But you know what? That's not what he's going to say. He's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. 
Whoa, that's heavy. And you see, what's being said here is not everyone who says, Lord, Lord. Not everybody who, all that, boom. We've got to know where we're at. We've got to understand that, that really, I mean, when we start looking at this, did we not, did we not, did we not? What are we offering? What do we have? What's going on? There's a great challenge there. There's a great challenge that only you can answer. Matthew 7, 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Hebrews talks about the word of God being living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. Do you know that ultimately how and what we do with our lives need to line up with this word? You know what? It's the word of God that ultimately um, dictates who and what I am. Let me just tell you this. We've got great challenges in our society today. And I believe some of the great challenges that we have is because we have become a biblically illiterate society. I, I believe not only a society that's biblically illiterate, but unfortunately within the realm of the church, we've become biblically illiterate. And we've got to make sure that we understand that this is no longer about what I feel like or, 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 or the, the cultural things that are going on, the challenges that are there. We've got to make sure that all those challenges line up according to the word of God. There are people today all confused about a lot of different things, confused about their gender, confused about uh, uh, lifestyles, confused about uh, addictions. You know, everybody wants to put different addictions off on genetics because we're finding out more and more about genetics. And dude, that just sounds like a great thing. You know, I'm just a liar. I, I, it's genetics. There's a lie gene. I have a lie gene. I had lie gene too. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm a thief. I'm a, you know, bum. And, you know, people want to go that route. And that's just the way I was born. Can I tell you something? We were all born with predispositions to a lot of goofy stuff. Honestly, personalities, it is true. Certain personalities are prone to addictions. But just because someone's prone to something doesn't mean they have to go with it. See, this may be the way you were born, and this is the beauty of the kingdom of God. Just because you were born this way, God understands that. Thus, the reason why you have to be born again. See, when I'm born again, all of a sudden, man, that spiritual dynamics, those spiritual DNA, all of a sudden that starts to override that genetic DNA. I really do believe that. I believe that beyond a shadow of a doubt. How? Well, because of the power of the word of God. The word of God is powerful. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The word is powerful. We have to continue to get back to the word. Let me just say something. We're living in times where, man, just holding to, to biblical principles, uh, people in the world are going to hate you. You know, I mean, let's just be straight. I, I, want, a, I want a university campus. I go toe-to-toe. And you know what? Uh, I'm not going to falter. I'm not going to fall back from the truth of the word. I, I will fight tooth and nail for, for my right to be able to, to express that, to talk about it, and to continue to come back to it. See, here's the thing. I didn't make it up. I didn't make it up. This is his word. And if I'm going to put his word into practice and into play. Now, does that mean I have to be mean with it? No, not at all. I, as a matter of fact, I think we we uh, should fight against this thing called tolerance. I don't believe Christians should be tolerant. That's low level. I think Christians should walk in love. Love is much higher. 
See, tolerance means, oh, I just put up with you. Oh, you're a lying punk. Hey, which, by the way, anybody watch, watch that uh, show Jimmy Kimmel? Anybody ever watch Jimmy Kimmel? He, he does this segment right now called Lie Witness News where they go on the street and they interview people like their news team and they ask them questions about events that have never happened. And, and then people just, oh, yeah. Like the night before uh, the, the State of the Union address, they're on the street. Hey, what did you think about the president's State of the Union address? Oh, it was quite inspiring. And it's like, liar. I mean, but it wasn't one. It was just one after another after another of people who just flat out liars. But anyway, it's, it's kind of a crazy world we're living in, right? <laughs> We've got to get back to the word. The word ultimately is going to be the thing that, that we've got to be able to base who and what we are uh, to be able to live this thing out. Now, here's the challenge. Here's the challenge. Up until this point, you're saying, man, Eric, I, I am on track. I'm doing all this. Boom, I'm operating in love. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm loving God and I'm loving other people. Great, great. Can I tell you something? Now, now it's this, it's this challenge to what? To keep on, to endure, to make sure that those little strings don't come creeping back and that you continue to walk in absolute freedom. You know, that may mean I drastically have to make some different choices in my life. That may mean I, I might have to cut a cable or an internet or, or some other things in order to live a holy and a pure life. Maybe that means I, I have to make a dedication that, dude, I'm going to be in church every week. As a matter of fact, I'm going to find a small group. I need some, some men or I need some women who will look me in the face and ask, ask me, ask me. <laughs> now I'm really getting Cajun. <laughs> Bulls are dying and people are getting axed. But anyway, <laughs> someone that will ask me the tough questions. And look me in the face. See, th- this whole thing is about being a part of a body and, and being a part uh, of, of a bigger, bigger thing than just you. The Christian faith is not about you and your personal faith. It's about you now being a part of, of this wonderful kingdom and, and living your part. So you may have to drastically make some choices and some decisions. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 says this. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. First Peter 1.14, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. See, that needs to be the goal. That needs to be what we're striving for, is to live out a godly and a holy life. Is a holy life possible? Yes. What does it look like? Typically not what we think. You know, it is not the sour face, dressed in black uh, individual who there is no joy. Let me tell you something. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And guess what? I can enjoy the presence of the Lord in the midst of a football game. I really can. Now, oh, I, I, I just, I just messed you up. But, but, but you know something? I really do believe that we can enjoy the presence of the God, of the Lord, wherever we are and wherever we find ourselves. Now, of course, there's places I, I, I don't need to be, right? I don't need to be in a club, you know, enjoying the presence of the Lord, glory. <laughs> Why? Well, because little by little, man, that, that kind of stuff will start wearing you down. You know, oh, I, I don't listen to the words. I just listen to the beat, you know. 
<laughs> anyway. <laughs> I want to live a holy life. Yes. I want to make sure I do not conform to the pattern of this world. I want to make sure that I live a life that is pleasing to the Lord. So it's going to take a little challenge on our part. All right. Super Bowl Sunday. So uh, indulge me for a second. A hundred years ago, I was in this thing called high school. <laughs> when I was in high school, I got the opportunity to play high school football. I love the game of football and, and, and all this. Um, but uh, I went to a small high school uh, which basically meant I got the opportunity to play uh, because it was a small school. And the thing is, at this small school, uh, I was a receiver and I was a defensive back, so we had to play both ways. Uh, we were in the same conference or district with John Curtis and Newman, and so you would know these schools. My, my school's name was River Oaks Academy. It's closed now. It's a mental institution, um, and, uh, and our principal's still in charge, okay? I promise. <laughs> crazy. <laughs> but, but I'm playing, it's 1978 and, and it's my senior year and, and it's our last home game. And so if you know anything, senior days, uh, always big deals. They're emotional because this is your last game, all this kind of stuff. And, and the thing is we, we have this game, we're playing this team and we have to beat this team in order to have a chance for the playoffs. And so coach comes in, he does the typical coach speak, and he's saying, hey, uh, listen, uh, these guys are going to be tough. You better be on your A game, blah, 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 blah. And typical coach speak, right? Great. And, and so we get into the game, and man, it's it's halftime, and now we're winning 14 nothing. And it's like, oh, pff, tough game. you know. And then, of course, it's halftime. Halftime coach speak, right? Let me tell you, I know what you guys are thinking. You're thinking these guys aren't that good and that I didn't say the right things, but I'm telling you, they're going to come back and they're going to punch you in the face and you've been blah, 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 blah. Yeah, okay. Uh-huh. You guys want to get pizza after? Okay, great. And so we go out and guess what? Man, they come out and they start punching us in the face. And, and so sure enough, we're 14-0, but they take the ball, third quarter, man, chew up the whole third quarter, score a touchdown. It's now 14-7. They take the ball, drive down the majority of the fourth quarter, they score... They missed the extra point. So it's 14-13. They take the ball again and are driving down the field. They now are on our three-yard line, and there's 27 seconds left in the game. Now, my job was I am a defensive back. I'm the free safety. And so my job was to mirror the quarterback. Whatever the quarterback did, I've got to be able to mirror that. And so... Boom, I'm watching him. They take the snap, and all of a sudden, he goes to my left. I'm seeing him go, and and so I'm thinking, you know, he's either going to try to run, or I see the little fullback come out. And so sure enough, dude, he throws up this pass, you know, trying to get, get the pass to the fullback. He throws up this pass. From an LSU guy, look at that. That was a pretty spiral. It was. But of course, you all intercepts. But anyway. So, dude, it lands in my hands. Okay? Now, let me just tell you this. Like I said, I'm not that great of an athlete. But but there's a couple of different things I know. One, when you start running, what you do or never do, you never look back. Never, ever look back. Uh, because you lose a second. That's what coach always told me. So, Troll, you're so slow, you don't want to lose any seconds. <laughs> so, dude, 
Now, now this is picture perfect. It's picture perfect because I've intercepted this ball and everybody's going this way. I'm the only one going this way. It's great. I'm going for the goal. And so literally I'm just running right down the sideline and this is my home stands. You know, it's thousand, maybe a hundred, maybe 50. I don't know. <laughs> there were people out there. <laughs> but dude, I'm just running. I'm running. I'm, I'm just running as fast. I got about a 30 yard jump on everybody. It's great. Is that enough? No. So I'm just, I'm focused. I mean, this crowd erupts. I hear all these, ah, and then I can hear my mom, Eric, as she ran past me. Okay. True story. Mom got all the speed in the family, you know? <laughs> so I'm just running. I'm running. I'm running. I'm focused. All of a sudden, about the 40 yard line, uh, you know, my teammates now, things are getting close. I hear people blocking and they're going, go, troll, go, troll, all this kind of stuff. And I get to the 40. And right between the 40 and the 45, and I, again, right on my own sideline, my big old head coach, Coach Gravely, all of a sudden, he's bouncing up and down, going crazy. And he's yelling at the top of his lungs, Drew, fall down. <laughs> and it's like, Coach Gray, what? <laughs> what is he talking about? Fall down. And, and he just keeps screaming, fall down. See, Coach had thought through time on the clock. It was like 27 seconds left in the game. If I scored too quickly, there's still time on the clock. We kick off and they can actually come and tie up the game. (laughs) Coach. Anyway. (laughs) Dude, I'm 17 years old. I got problems. I ain't going to fall down. I mean, what are you crazy? (laughs) What are you crazy? I'm going to have to explain to people I didn't trip over that white line. No, I fell down because coach said so. Yeah. So I'm, I, I don't have time. I don't have time to have a chat or try to figure out. I have no clue. He is confusing me because up until this point, coach says, get football, score a touchdown. That's the game. That's the whole game. So, dude, I'm just, I'm not even going to look. I'm going to keep going. Teammates are going, go, go. Coach is saying, ball down. And so I, I'm, I'm not looking. I'm not looking. 50-yard line. He gets more emphatic. I, mean, I can smell his coffee breath. I mean, it's that, that close. 45-yard line. All of a sudden, it just kind of hit me. Uh, dude, I got to do something. So I'm, I'm just going. I'm, I'm focused. I'm focused. I'm focused. And about that point, it's like I, I can't take this anymore. And so I just turn real quick. You fall down. Anyway. And uh, <laughs> I said it a little louder and a little more emphatic. But um, but I, I just kept going. And, and you know, I scored the touchdown. Uh, uh, scored the touchdown. We won the game. Okay? It was all good. Now, What's the point of your message, Eric? Disobedience to authority? No. That's for youth camp. But in today's picture, coach is what? Satan, Lucifer himself. And if you would have known my coach, you would have agreed, okay? <laughs> but but here's, the, here's the reality. What's going to happen? You know what? The enemy, when we receive salvation, we are called to do what? Run this thing out. Run for the goal. Keep going, man. Stay focused on the prize. You know what? That prize is too great to trip. That prize is too great to fall. That prize is too great to even slow down. See, the enemy doesn't always pop up and say, just fall down. The enemy will try to just say, hey, look, you're so far ahead of everybody. You're so good. You're the best one in your family. Do you have to go to church every week? 
You don't need to read that Bible. Don't you know that story? I mean, little by little, the enemy will come in and, and say those kinds of things. And basically what he's trying to do is what? Get us to fall down. And can I just tell you something? At some point, you've got to make a choice uh, to simply look the enemy in the face and say, you know what? You fall down. You fall down. Guess what? I've received something and it's way too precious. And, and you know what? There's nothing, no little earthly thing that is worth losing out for eternity with my king, with my master, with my Lord. He's paid too great of a price. You fall down. My challenge today is simply this. It's a reality check. Where are you today? Are you running this thing out? Are you focused on the prize at hand? Or quite honestly, have you not received salvation yet? If you haven't done that, then you need to do that before you leave this place today. Let's bow our heads. Father, I just pray that right now by the power of the anointing of your Holy Spirit, Father, you know every heart, you know every life, you know every individual uh, in the building today. And Father, I just simply pray that by the drawing power of your Spirit, if there are any here today that have never ever given their heart and given their life to you, Father, I pray by the drawing power of the Holy Spirit that you will speak very loud and very clear and challenge and draw them in today. If you're here today and say, Eric, you know what? I, I've not made that choice. I've not made that decision. When you pray, would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? If that's you, just slip up a hand real quick because I want to I lead you in a very simple prayer uh, giving your heart and giving your life to Christ. Is there anybody here today? Say, Eric, that's me. Please pray for me. Nice and high so I can see it. Thank you, Lord. Is there anybody here today? So I'm, I'm, I'm going to assume that in the house, we're full of, full of people that have made a choice, made that decision. If you're here today and you say, Eric, you know what? Uh, I, I, I've kind of gotten my eyes off the prize. Maybe I've slowed down. Maybe there's some things I, I need to kick it up. I need to get a little more serious about my faith. If that's you, slip up a hand real quick. Thank you. Thank you. Why don't we go ahead and stand right now? If you have the liberty right now, I just want you to slip up your hands as a sign of surrender to the Lord. And I just want to pray a blessing over you. Father, I just pray. I pray for each and every individual in the house today. Father, you know exactly the challenges that each and every one of us are going through. You know the places where those strings are trying to get reattached. And Father, today I simply pray that every bondage be broken in the name of Jesus. I pray that every choice and every decision that individuals here make are choices and decisions that are based upon the truth and the power of your word. Father, I pray your blessing over each. I pray that there would be a greater hunger thirst and a desire for righteousness. Father, drive us each to be holier today than we were yesterday. The choices that we make, the words that come out of our mouth, Father, let them be pleasing unto you. Father, we love you. We praise you. It is in Jesus' name we pray. We all agree by saying, Amen. Amen.